Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 149 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. My name is Scroobius Pip. How are you guys doing? Um, I'm a little bit croaky because uh, we had the British Podcast Awards last night um, and it was a wonderful evening. Um, had a great time. Got to go. We t- I took along um, Chris and Stu from Hardcore Listing and the Drunk Cast, S- Susie Gage from Say Why to Drugs, uh, Jason Reed from Stop and Search, and J- uh, Jake and John, who run the the social media or help out on the on the Distraction Pieces podcast social media, and we had a lovely evening. We didn't a, a win anything, which was a shame, but um, it was just a lovely time, and it was was great to get everyone together. Um, some people I really like did win awards. A uh, Ramesh Ranganathan. Um, he won. In fact, he won an award in one of the, the categories I was up, and he wasn't there. And he did a video, and um, and mugged me off in it. So that was that was quite offensive. Um, <laughs> but it was great because it's a great podcast. Um, Hip hop saved my life. I recommend you check it out. Adam Buxton. I'm a bit croaky because of the the late night and the, the drinking. Um, Adam Buxton won um, podcast champion, and he did a video that was as was funnier than anything um anything of the whole night it was amazing it was hilarious he did a, a video acceptance two other things that won there was one called S- cine walk uh, which i've not i've not listened to but sounded amazing it's a couple who go to the cinema and then on the walk home j- just record a podcast talking about the f- no cine mile it's called because it's a mile from their, their cinema cine mile and they walk home and talk about the, the film they've just seen which that sounds amazing. And there was one called, I think it was called How to Be a Girl. Um, and that would, that won the International Award and it sounded amazing. It's, um, a, a lady in America who's had a son. And when I think it, it, it came about, she asked her son if he thinks it's okay for boys to wear a dress because he, he liked to wear dresses. And he said, I'm, I'm a girl. And, she started recording their conversations and they've been recording them for ages and recording them just on her phone. And it wasn't even planned as this podcast thing. And it became this absolute amazing podcast of just her conversations and journey with bringing up um, a transgender child. Um, it sounds amazing. So yeah, there was some cool stuff and it was a great night. Everyone was, was lovely. I met uh, some lovely people and had chats with lovely people. So it was a great time. And I've been on Ramesh's and Adam's podcast, so really I did win. So you can all go fuck yourselves. Um, no, it was great, and it was amazing to to be be nominated. And it is it's it's important, or it, it's not important. It's podcasts in the in the grand scheme of thing, nothing's overly important. It's all it's it's all relevant. But it was cool that the recognition is being given f- f- for this medium because for a long time podcasts were seen as you're trying to get a tv show or a radio show or whatever else and uh, speaking for, for for myself i've been approached about radio shows and tv stuff in relation to distraction pieces and i'm not interested in that because the podcast is the end goal for it this is exactly the medium i need it to be and want it to be so yeah anyway i'm rambling on I'm answering you, uh, your questions this week. Normally, this turns into a two-parter because I've had hundreds of questions. I'll probably 
I won't get through all of them. We're brought to you by speechdevelopmentrecords.com. Head over. The POS album is out now. Please go and check that out. It's got two, it's got three songs on there that are three of my favourite songs in years. The whole album's great. And there's, you know, every track's a, a banger. But there's three in particular that are like three of my favourites ever at the moment. I'm loving it. Um, so check that out. We've also got our new summer merch launching very, very soon. As this airs... Oh, no, actually, I shouldn't say because we're a week away from it. I can't tell you. But something cool's happening and we're doing s- s- something exciting. So, um, yeah. Oh, I've dangled a carrot there. Just you wait and see, man. Honestly, just you wait and see. So that's exciting. New s- s- summer merch on its way. Um, I'll get into the podcast. So tons of you have asked questions. And the way I do it is I do it only on Facebook because it'll be an awful podcast to listen to if I'm switching over to Instagram and going, oh, hang on, I'm just trying to find the post and so on and so forth. So I do it on Facebook. And all the questions come in. And over the week or the few days, I look at ones I think would be cool to answer and I like them. And for me, I don't know if it is for your view, but for me, that brings them all to the top. So the top load of ones I've liked. So that's how I've kind of, I've filed it out. So I'll start, I'll start going through from the top. I've not chosen any order. I'll go through from the top. Um, and if we get past all the, all the liked ones, I'll get onto the, the, sh- the shitty questions I thought weren't worth answering and answer them anyway. Um, right, let's begin. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. Okay, here we are. Let's get off of the mark with the first question from Gareth on the Christmas Drunk Cast. Oh, yeah, this is at the top because I commented as sad. I'm going to do the whole podcast on this. On the Christmas Drunk Cast, you mentioned a salmon ladder. What the fuck is a salmon ladder? If you've not heard the Christmas Drunk Cast, in jest, I was, no, 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 I was talking about some exercise stuff I was having built. In jest, I was talking about my exercise and saying it's explosive. It is explosive. Um, but yeah, over Christmas, I had a salmon ladder built in my garden and it's a, it's an exercise tool. I've only used it a couple of times because it's outside. And to explain what it is, I first saw it in the TV show Arrow, which is the DC thing of, of the Green Arrow. So let me describe it. Imagine two big rafts of metal sticking out the ground. So going upwards, um, about, I guess, about five foot apart from each other. Now, I started the ruts about six foot up because I'm six foot four. So at around six foot, there's a V. <laughs> this is so complicated. Like imagine a, a, v, a right angle V bracket that is wider than the rut and it's attached to it. So essentially what you're getting is a little ledge. So about six foot up on each one, there's a little ledge. And then um, I think mine are 12 centimetres apart. 12 centimetres up from that, there's another ledge. And 12 centimetres up from that, there's another ledge. So mine is, how far is it out of the ground? It's really high. Um, So it starts at six foot. And then there's ledges of 12 centimetres up. There's about 
10 of them so it's really it's tall it goes it's the actual ruts go higher than my outbuilding which is like a studio i had built so so yeah there's a rut every 12 centimeters and what you do is you have a pole or a bar i used um i've bought an i bought a wooden um kendo stick a very strong one oak one and you slot that in the in the rut and you hang and then you use kind of an explosive technique of doing a half pull up and then exploding out of it and you push the bar up onto the next rut so your feet aren't on the ground you're just in the air you're just hanging and then you do it again you tense up you do half a pull up and you explode upwards and jump the bar onto the next rut and that is what a salmon ladder is i believe it's called a salmon ladder because salmon swim um upstream and up hills against the current and that's the kind of nature of it you're you're exploding up 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 in this movement against gravity and when you watch it it kind of defies yeah it looks it doesn't make sense because you you're exploding off you're pushing off of nothing essentially or you're pushing off of what you're coming off of which is weird um god that was pretty boring right um i had someone ask um if me and Dan Lasaka will be touring again and saying we've we've probably answered it already and we have answered that a lot we've I've no plans or we've no plans for us to tour together again anytime um certainly not anytime soon part of the reason for that is our last gig was planned as our last gig and it was perfect and for me it'd have to be a hell of a gig to take that memory away from me as the last ever gig our last gig we planned it all out and it was our third record and the third record would be had been commercially more successful than anything we'd done before and critically acclaimed more than anything we'd done before our tour we'd done was the biggest we'd done with the biggest crowds and the biggest turnouts and then we were ending at, at, at best of all which is run by sunday best who put out our records and have have, have looked after us from day one so we had 10,000 or so people there to see us and we'd announced it as our last gig and, and Rob the Bank introduced us who and Rob as said has helped us out from day one and we got to play this gig to at least 10,000 people um, all singing every word and loving it and enjoying it and it was beautiful man <laughs> so to go hey see you next week in Hull you know no offense to Hull but I'd, I'd, I think so it's so rare that you get to choose when you end something in this in this industry in general let's be honest careers end or tours end or whatever because people stop having interest or you just kind of fizzle out or fade out or it stops turning a profit or whatever else um i think it's beautiful to get to go no we're going out on a high there that was that was amazing see ya no plans no plans what's this Morning, Pip. I don't remember liking this one. This looks long. Morning, Pip. More a request for a recommendation than a direct question, if that's cool. This is from Zoe. Um, The last one was from Daniel Cotton, the one about me and Dan. Um, This is from Zoe. Morning, Pip. More a request for a recommendation than a direct question, if that's cool. Whilst listening to your podcast featuring Holly McNeish with my 16-year-old son, um, I recommend that episode. It's the the satin uh, a lizard lounge episode um it's with a load of different spoken word artists including the amazing holly mcnish um i was simply wondering if you would be able to recommend some spoken word venues or events for us after having experienced some issues re- resulting in a lack of confidence 
Oh, we feel that this would give him the right sort of boost that he needs. Cheers. Um, I'm a little bit out of touch because I don't, because I don't gig anymore and I don't live in London. I don't attend an awful lot of spoken word. Um, but, but bang said the gun do nights in London and a few around the country. That in my opinion is the most welcoming and exciting spoken word night. There is, it's absolutely amazing. Um, I think everyone who was on that Saturn Liz Lounge special at some point has performed at Bank Said the Gun. Rob Alton, whose album at home with Rob we've put out on Speech Development Records, he's one of the, the hosts. He's always a, a, a Bank Said the Gun. It's amazing. I'm not sure if the Poetry Cafe is still doing Poetry Unplugged and New Blood and things like that, but they, but they were always some good ones. Chill Pill, I, I used to do great nights. I think they're quite sp- sp- sporadic now the key essentially i'll tell you how i i got into it that's the easiest way to do this i just looked up any spoken word night right and the spoken word scene is it's really it's 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 it, it, it's a place for crossbreeding um i went to my first spoken word night and at that night i ever met people who run their own nights or i got flyers for other spoken word nights and i went to them i didn't question it i just went and then at them, I had flyers for other ones, and I went to them. And at that point, I was going to... And again, I wasn't a living in London. I think for a little while, I stayed with my mate Amy in London for a bit at that point. And I was going to four to six poetry nights a week and trying to get on any open mics and trying to just get my stuff out there. It was a point where I'd practiced my stuff, you know, drilled it at home. And again, I'd say that to your a 16 year old boy I mean everyone can do it their own way but I think a great way to deal with a crisis of confidence is to get this one piece that you know inside and out so when you you get up there there's no crisis of confidence because you, you you know it inside and out I'm I'm a kid with a stutter <laughs> who had no performance experience particularly prior to st- starting doing spoken word um, but the reason I was okay up there was because I practiced it for hours and hours and hours. I made. I knew that when I was getting up there, I knew my pieces. I knew it inside and out. I would be able to go up and do it effortlessly, um, and hopefully it'd go down well. Um, so yeah, that's my kind of advice there. Um, Alex, about ten years ago, I saw a you and Dan play at Soundhouse in Northampton, um, and you were doing your thing of working the merch beforehand. But I didn't realise this was your thing at the time. It's not really my thing. I just I worked in in retail for six or seven years before doing music, and I know how to sell stuff. I know how to run a merch booth. So it always from ten years ago to our last tour. You know, at Coco, I was running the merch booth. Two nights sold out at Coco. Um, I was running the merch booth because yeah, it seems odd to pay someone else to come along and do it when I know how to do that I enjoy it I get to meet everyone everyone gets to meet me it's a nice it's a nice time I recognized you as I purchased your LP but played it cool and moved into the venue to secure front row and center good work looking back at it now I missed an opportunity to have a chat and maybe even get your scribble on a CD which would now be worth a fortune it, it probably wouldn't most of the merch at speechdevelopmentrecords.com um, is signed um not all of it, but as much as I can. In fact, on Monday, I'm driving up to Leeds. Um, I'm doing. I'm going back and forth from Leeds a bit 
this next month um, because I'm doing a film up there with Stephen Graham and with David Johns and with Michael Soccer and with Rob Parker. Um, And despite how that sounds, it's not Distraction Pieces the movie because they've all previously been guests on Distraction Pieces. Again, you can imagine how excited I am to be involved in this film because they've been guests because I'm fucking huge fans of all of them. Um, So yeah, it's exciting to to be going to do that. But the reason I mention that is um, whenever I'm driving north, my warehouse that, 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 that sends out all the merch is in Coventry. So I normally, if I if I've got time, I'll stop by at the warehouse and sign as much merch as I can. Um, so by the time this goes out, in fact, I'm up, I think I'm going up on the Monday and coming back on the Wednesday or Thursday because I've only got a couple of days this week. Um, so at least on the way back, I'll go and sign a load of merch. So probably by the time you're hearing this, there'll be a load more signed merch in the store. Um, anyway, that should be worth a, a fortune by now. So my question is, do you have moments you, you look back on in a professional sense that you might have missed an opportunity and make you think ah what if not really and I don't don't really have many of them because of how I work and I learned this in my teens not my teens probably early 20s in in bad relationships I had some relationships that weren't fun (laughs) and that I got sad over and I realized that all of that stuff's out of your control and what you've got to do is make sure you've done all you can. And again, like being a nervous, stuttering kid, it wasn't an easy one. I, I didn't have much confidence and, and and would struggle to talk to girls and so on and so forth. But what I realised was, right, I, if a girl likes you or not, it's out of your control. But what is in your control is doing the most that you can do, if that makes sense. So... I came to the realisation that that whenever a relationship was coming to an end, as long as I did all I could, as, as, as long as I made myself clear that this is how I feel, then that's cool. If it ends, it ends. I've, I've, I've done all I can. It's out of my control. If it ends and I've not kind of said how much I feel or how intense it is or whatever else, then I fucked up there because it, it, it's my fault. Um, and that kind of translated into my work. And I'll give an example, which I'm really pleased with at the moment and excited about and it's it's to do with acting again there was i heard about a role um in a film and i can't say what oh no in fact i just heard about a film and i was like i'd love to be in that man so i started doing research into who who's involved in it who's 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 acting in it who's casting it who's producing it and I did as, as much research as I could and I tried to find people on Twitter and I tried to find people online. And then I found out that they'd decided on a casting director and that was part of the catalyst f- f- for my recent trip to LA. So I flew out to LA for a week. I booked a week in LA and I was lining up m- meetings in general. Um, I'm loving this acting lark and I'm getting amazing opportunities that I don't deserve at this stage. So again, I'm a big believer in m- making sure if you've got any opportunities you've got to do everything you can to get the most out of them rather than sit back and wonder what if um so i went out to la and i had a load of meetings and i hadn't hadn't been able to 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 get a meeting with this particular casting director and then i'd been there i think four days i was only there for for seven days no i'd been there three days and then on the third day i got a meeting 
for on the fifth day with this casting director. And I went in and had the meeting. It's just a general meeting. A general meeting is all the meetings I had out there were general meetings. None of them were specific castings. Again, um, no, oh yeah, it's, it's, you go in there and it's just to meet them and say, hello, here's who I am. So that when they are casting things, hopefully they'll keep you in mind. So I got a general meeting and we chatted and I played it cool. I didn't say I'm, I really want to be in, in this, this, this film you're casting. And the meeting went well. And then at the end of the meeting, this casting director said to me, look, I've got this film I'm doing at the moment. There's a role in it. I think that you might be good for. I'd like you to audition. I'll give you the, the script and the sides. And, and when you, you get back to the UK, do a tape of it and send it over. And so I did that. And again, chances are, I mean, this industry, it's, it's hard. There's a lot of competition. So in my opinion, I'm not going to get this film. But I've got z- z- zero regrets because I've gone, right, that's what I want to do. And then I've gone out and done everything I can to to give myself that opportunity. When I decided I wanted to be in that or be involved in that, I didn't have that opportunity. It wasn't an opportunity. Like It's not like someone has said, oh, do you want to audition for this? Which has happened for other stuff. I had, I can probably talk about it now because I've not, I'm not, got it i had an out of the blue audition for stranger things uh series two which i loved the first one so things like that it's just that's how this industry works it's all you're getting is an audition it's not a free pass but you're getting an opportunity so but but with this one i didn't have that opportunity but i went out and actively hunted down the opportunity and hustled to get that opportunity so my feeling on it is now even if i don't get it which is the highest likelihood I know I've done all I can, so I've got no regrets there. And I feel proud to have got as far as I got. I got to audition for something that I had no right or no knowledge at the time of how to. I did my research, I looked into it, and I made it happen. So, yeah, that's cool. Um, So that's why I don't particularly have that many regrets in a professional sense. Um, I try and pursue anything I, I really want. And I try it. Um, the Ed Scrine, um episode was a good one because he just had the mantra of of why the fuck not and i think that can sound a bit throwaway but i think it's fucking beautiful and and, and my outlook on that is literally if there's anything i want to do before i will put it down <laughs> i need to find a specific reason why i can't do that um and i've mentioned it on the podcast a load of times so if it's i want to be an astronaut i can do some research and find out w- why i probably can't you know i'm 35 it's a bit late to start doing the training and all this kind of thing. But until I find that reason, I'm not going to write it off. So, yeah. Anyway, that's that's that. On to the next one. James Alexander. In the spirit of those knucklehead friends of yours, <laughs> and just so you can rip them off, top five podcasts, not on your network. Yeah. So he's referring to those knuckleheads, Chris and Stu who have a podcast called Hardcore Listing, which is doing amazingly well. And for me, is frustratingly good. Yeah, it's great. It's hilarious. And it's top fives. It's getting people on to pick their top five of anything. So they've got, I think when this goes out, it will be out. I've not heard it yet, but they had Gail Porter on. And one of her top fives was her top five people she's interviewed, good or bad. And I know that De Niro's on that list. And DiCaprio's on that list, and Travolta's on that list, and I think, 
I think there's a screaming Lord Such is on that list. Is and again, it's cool. But um, yeah, so my top five podcasts that aren't on the network. It's tough because g- 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 genuinely, this sounds like a plug, but the podcasts on the network are are in my top five. I listen to every hardcore listing because I really enjoy it. I listen to every Tuesday night jaw that I'm not on because I really enjoy it. I don't uh, listen to say why to drugs, but that's because I'm on every episode, so I'm involved and I enjoy it all already and stop and search they're only once a month but i listen in excitedly so they're good other ones i listen to let's just i won't rank the five but ones i listen to regularly joe rogan experience straight in there it's the greatest i love it 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 made me start doing this the fighter and the kids i love and i'll chuck in the big brown breakdown um as the same as that because the the big brown breakdown i'm really enjoying i think that's a great spin-off then I'm going to go with Adam Buxton's podcast, which is amazing. He's had Steve Coogan on recently. I've just downloaded the Mark Maron one. Um, he's got Bill Burr coming up. He's had me on. Hey. Um, he's had some amazing people. His his episode with Louis Theroux is the most I've laughed at any podcast ever. When Louis is having a little sing, I'm, I've listened to it numerous times and been in tears. It's amazing. A, a Richard Herring's a, a, a Rahel Estepa. Yep, I gave you a pause to uh, respond. Um, it's fantastic. I love them. I get through. They're ones I listen to a lot if I'm I'm, I'm, I'm driving long distances. That I can just churn through tons of episodes. They're brilliant. I've only got one space left and there's so many to choose from. Ooh, what should I go for? I'm going to open up my um, podcast app and look at the ones that are my favourites. Uh, oh, that's good. That's good. Because that, uh, I, I can only mention uh, one more because they said five. Oh, that's dope. Uh, I, um, oh man, there's so many. I'm going to quickly. The last five are going to be other ones I listen to. So the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast, Talk Is Jericho, Charles Son, and You're Welcome. The Ross Report, um, Doug Loves Movies. I adore Doug Loves Movies. It's so good. Um, Izzy Sooty's what? Izzy Things We Do for Love, and Edith Bowman's soundtracking. So there's there's more than five, but. I gave you my top four, and then I I ran down five other crackers. Right, Zach Burrows. Hey, Pip, what's on your perfect burger? Not your Thursday evening, I'm home alone, I'm making a burger burger. More like your Gordon Ramsay's coming over to make me a burger and stare at me while I eat, eat it burger. Also, at a professional lunch, is it okay to order handheld if it's on the menu? It's tough at a professional lunch, and I can only answer this as a bearded man. Any handheld food is tough eating out as a bearded man, particularly if it's um, a professional lunch. So yeah, I'd avoid that. But if, if you've not got a beard, yeah, that's fine. Um, but yeah, burger, burger. See, this is where I, I'll, I'll offend some people or be controversial, because I think a burger is something that I enjoy you're more extravagant burgers. I enjoy going to a restaurant where um, it's a thick burger and it's medium rare and you've got b- b- bacon and crispy onions and numerous cheeses and all sorts of awesome stuff. But I think the best burgers are fast food burgers. And I'm not talking I'm not talking McDonald's or Burger King or any of this. For me, a, a Wendy's in America is my favourite burger, but people often pick... Um, in and out burger but in the uk i think the best example of this kind of burger is five guys 
because it's simplicity. It's it's fresh meat made there, cooked, and even in Five Guys, like you can pick multiple, you can pick any t- as many toppings as you want. They have a price for a single burger and a double burger, and that's it. And then the toppings are all up to you and aren't extra. You can have as many or as few as you want. And on that, I think simplicity is the key. Cheese, just cheese and ketchup for me. That's all I'm putting on. Cheese and ketchup. A double burger at, um, at Five Guys because I like the doubles. Because it's not a huge, it's not like a McDonald's quarter pounder type or Burger King quarter pounder type thing. Is that Burger King or McDonald's? I don't know. They're both average. But yeah, I would say, Gordon, come over on your way. Could you pop into Five Guys and grab me a double and a chocolate Oreo milkshake? Because I only recently realised I've been getting the Oreo milkshake from Five Guys, thinking that there's the chocolate milkshake, the Oreo milkshake, the strawberry. Turns out you can add the Oreos to any flavour. So I have a chocolate Oreo the other day, and I was was nervous in the queue because I was like, in theory, you can do that, and it's probably just a thing, so I shouldn't make a big deal of it. So I'm just going to say chocolate Oreo, and if she says, like, what, chocolate or Oreo, which one do you want? I'll pick one, or or I'll ask, but if I just say it and act like it's a thing, then it'll be fine, and it was fine. So uh, I had a chocolate Oreo milkshake. Um, Yeah, so yeah, and Gordon can judge all he wants, mate. Judge all you want. Um, Right. Next one from Ryan. How do you manage to maintain the level of social media presence that you do? I imagine you're a pretty busy guy and you seem, and yet you seem to be endlessly making time for fans on social media. I think it's an impressive level of dedication. So how do you maintain the energy for it? Thank you very much, Ryan. It's, it's kind of a combination. I am, I am into it. I've been asked a load of times to do seminars and that and, and, and teaching things on how to, runs social media as an artist and things like that and I think I've got nothing to teach because the fact is I enjoy it I do do have to be disciplined with it and I have got into a habit of I'll just keep an eye on it as much as I can I'll check up on it I'll respond when I can I'll be active and engaged but I also do genuinely enjoy it so that comes into it a lot also I mean I am a busy guy but I've dedicated (laughs) <laughs> it's going to sound so dramatic. I've dedicated my life to my work because my work is fucking cool as fuck. I get to do podcasts and make music and act and, and things like that. So I've not got much of a social life. Um, I've got mates. They're wicked, but I've not got much of a social life. Um, I, I, I chose some time ago to, after some relationships didn't work because of how I work and how much I work, I chose to not have have, have relationships in this period of my life, um, or to not uh, settle down and all that. So, yeah, it kind of it allows me this that time to kind of engage on social media and get my shit done. And yeah, that's kind of it. There's no real there's no real story or mystery. I just kind of I enjoy it. And it's on your phone, and it? it's easy. Um, Courtney, Pip, like you, I have so many different interests and projects on the go, things I really care about, but I often find myself wondering if I should choose just one thing and devote all my energy to that. Is there a better way of having a life full of projects? How do you balance everything and keep the energy for them all? That's a sim- that's two, two similar questions in a row. Again, I mean, I will also add, um, I suffer quite regularly from insomnia, 
and that's kind of shitty, but it's pretty great for productivity as well because you'll often find yourself going to bed really late or getting up really early because you've not had much sleep and there's a lot of hours in the day dude um on the picking an individual thing i don't think so i think you can pick your focuses at different times like um recently i've been focused a lot more on some scripts i'm writing um on the podcast and on acting ahead of music I still plan to do more music at some point if I'm inspired to do so and if it comes about I'm still writing bits here and there but it's picking your focuses um I've told this in a million times but the name Scroobius Pip comes from an Edward Lear poem and it's about a creature that wakes up in the jungle and doesn't know what it is and it goes with the fish for a bit then realizes it's a fish it goes with the the lions and realizes it's a lion and so on and so forth and at the end it realizes it can be all those things but it it's a Scroobius Pip. That's what it is. It is a Scroobius Pip. And I chose that because at the time I was going through similar t- to what you're doing. I was, I was shooting a little independent short film. I was, a, I was doing photography. I was doing a lot of street art. I just started rapping and making a music and stuff. And I was kind of going, right, what am I going to do? I need to define myself and choose one. And then I decided I don't have to define myself and choose one. It's been interesting. Again, I, I don't, get it too much but every now and then I'll get asked about the transition from a musician to actor or musician to podcaster or 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 whatever else it's like well I don't feel that or notice that because I've always thought of myself as 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 Pip as a Scroobius Pip rather than a musician or an actor or anything else so I'm just yeah I I don't think you have to define yourself I find the energy and motivation that probably comes from the right projects right um I'll be kind of, I had, the other night I was going to bed and I, I had an idea for a new part, um, a new character and an extra bit in this, in a script I'm working on. Um, and I could hardly sleep and I was like, I'm not going to wake up and start working on it because I'll be up all night. But I made a few notes on my phone and then I slept for a few hours and at like six, seven o'clock I was like, right, it's morning now, I can start. And I got up and I was writing at it. So if you're excited about the right projects, then like, that motivation will hopefully be there. Um, equally, there's nothing wrong with t- 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 taking some time off and breaks. I'm not. All my mates kind of have a go at me at times for never taking time off and and, and chilling and hanging out. But I do as well. I watch a lot of TV. I get through stuff. I think it's important to have those 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 breaks of inspiration. I love the the cinema. I love uh, losing myself in this in the cinema. So yeah, you could have a week or two of not getting any of your projects done, and that could fuel you. In fact. I'll tell a story of this 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 particular s- script I'm working on that I'm hoping to to turn into a TV show. I took myself away for a week to write um, up north, and I didn't. I, st- I purposely stayed away from anywhere I've got mates, so I was on my own. And the bulk of that week, I didn't get anything written, but I walked around a lot and I thought a lot, and I drank in the um, surroundings and the the atmosphere and everything a lot. And when I got home, which was after my scheduled period of writing, I wrote the first draft of the script from pretty much beginning to end. Um, And that is the draft that is currently getting some interest and is potentially going to turn into something. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's having that fluidity and flexibility. I didn't spin out over the fact that I'd had this, I'd planned this, 
I'd got these four days that I was free to go on a writing retreat and that was all I had and I didn't get any writing done. It's, like, it's cool. As long as I'm thinking and creating, that's that's all good. Niall Mack, maybe a bit deep question or whatever, but what is your motivation? Where and when did you find the will and drive to make Dan Lassat versus Scrooby's Pip happen and distraction pieces a thing? Was there a tipping point of, right, fuck it, it's time to do something I love? I know you've talked about how our music came about for you in the podcast, but how do you keep up the drive levels? You're always working on something new and planning ahead. It would be interesting to hear where the desire comes or stems from and how you keep it. I mean, man, again, this is a similar one, but it's tough. I get to work on cool stuff, so I think it's kind of easy to be motivated on that at times. Yeah, it's kind of, oh, God, my phone's going off. Sorry, I had it on airplane mode, but then I've got to the end of the questions I had loaded up, so I needed to turn it on, and that's really interesting. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the same. I guess I've answered that a few times. Yeah, it's just stuff I'm into. The podcast came about because I really I like podcasts, so I started doing it. I've been really lucky that I've now I've had a few things that happened that give me the confidence that if I just start working on something because I'm passionate about it, the financial side will figure itself out, <laughs> which is dangerous. I'm not telling you all to do that because you might end up in debt or lose your houses or families or whatever else. But for me, it's always worked out, and the podcast is is one of them. I now earn off of this. It's all right. But initially, I started doing it because I wanted to do it and because I fancied it. And the same with I wanted to get into acting and that. I didn't. I, I was I was ready to n- not earn a penny off it because I'm brand new and kind of straight away I was getting decent opportunities and stuff so yeah it's cool um and yeah I've I've kind of answered the motivated question the, the motivation question or oh, 40 minutes already I've not answered that many Pete hi Pip a wrestling one from me do you think it is good a good thing that Shinsuke Nakamura has moved to the main roster in the WWE. Will he be able to shine or will he get buried like m- many other talents b- before him? Um, I'll keep this brief because some of you aren't going to be interested. I think it's great he's moved to the main roster. I think it's important. He's a, he's a massive name and a massive character and he'd been in NXT a long time. So I think he'll do great. I don't think he'll be buried. I think equally, I don't think they need to rush him. I think you can do a slow build in the main roster and I think they're doing that nicely by getting his character over and his his uh, his development, and then he'll come in and start start beating people up. So yeah, I think it's good. Um, yeah, there's not a lot more I can can say on that. I'm sure we'll go into far more detail on Tuesday night joy in the future. Craig, I'm, sm- I'm smashing through a few now, so I can end this part of the podcast with a load done, and then I'll start the next part. Craig, w- would you? have your Ford Capri back if you could find it and what would you choose as its ultimate garage compadre um I know we don't talk about cars normally so I thought I'd ask something out of the normal comfort zone I like it um for those who don't know I used to have a a beautiful silver Ford Capri um if I think of it I'll send the picture to to Buddy Peace who uploads these and tags pictures and that on 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 Acast or I'll try and post it on my social media but um I had a Ford Capri and it was featured in in Classic Cars magazine or Classic Ford magazine or something like that. And yeah, it was dope, but 
the reason I kind of got got rid of it was at that point. This is like four or five, about four years ago. I was I was I was making a lot of trips to America, and in America I was in in rental cars that had nice air conditioning and drove really smoothly and synced up to your iPhones so you could listen to podcasts and all this stuff like that and I would be getting home and getting in my Capri which I loved and it was kind of a bit of a tough one to drive it was heavy it had a tape deck so if I wanted to listen to anything I'd plug a tape in that had a lead coming out and the sound quality wasn't great and the system wasn't great and when it broke down on one of my trips actually I was away in LA for two weeks I think it was and I put it in with a Capri specialist in Dartford to get fixed it was having some problems and they would have they're they've basically got a Capri graveyard so they've got all these dead ones that have got parts in it that are good and parts so they can kind of take everything and get it all all going um, and they fixed it and I went and collected it and I drove home and it broke down just moment or just as I was pulling into my house essentially um and that just made me throw the towel in on it man it had been in with these people who were specialists and they'd been working on it and I get it back and it breaks down kind of immediately um but the the key part here is I wouldn't and and need to 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 find it homie I haven't had the heart to get rid of that baby yet um that's my nicky um so it's in my garage (laughs) um I've got a garage and my capri's in there so one day, like my mum wants me to get rid of it. She's always like, have you, have you, have you got rid of that car yet? Because she always hated it. But no, I ain't got rid of it yet. So one day, if I get a crazy a rich or anything, I'll get someone to work on it and bring it, it back to life. Um, in fact, if you live n- near Stanfordly Hope and fancy a little project that you want to just work on my Capri for fun then you're more than welcome to come and work on it. I'm not spending any, or not spending much money on it, so I don't expect anyone to actually reply to that because you're not going to want to. But yeah, it's in my garage. It's pretty sweet. I love that car. Um, on to the next one. Andrew, I know this is a little bit of a niche question, but I was wondering, what's your favourite progress match so far? Also, a thank you, because after uh, listening to your podcast with Jim a while ago, I went to an Endeavour show on a whim. Now I've been a regular at the uh, the Electric Ballroom and loving the graps ever since. This is about progress uh, wrestling, and again, I'll keep it brief because some of you aren't into it, but uh, me and Chris go constantly, and I love progress, man. I was the same. I went to one show kind of on a whim, and uh, it was amazing. I was, I was gutted I missed uh, last weekend's one um, because... Paul Robinson, who's the reason I went to Progress, because um, I'd heard that this wrestler comes out to one of my songs. He comes out to let him come. And I was like, all right, I'll go and have a look. Um, and when he came out to it, it's one of the biggest buzzes I've ever had because he's a heel. So as soon as that first bar drops, everyone's booing. So to be excited to have one of your songs booed is a weird thing. But I then got to watch Paul Robinson and he's amazing. He's genuinely in 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 modern wrestling. It's hard to be a bad guy because everyone wants to like the bad guys. Ever since Stone Cold Steve Austin, everyone wants to, to to like the bad guys. So to be able to be a heel who is technically really good is brilliant. Um, yeah, is a really good 
performer and to be able to still get that hatred out of the crowd is an amazing skill so he would manage that they hated him they would boo him furiously and i loved him and 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 and, and, and just recently had his last match um he's had to retire because of um injury or or or, or illness a blood a, a blood infection thing so yeah i was gutted i couldn't couldn't be there to see him walk out for the last time to to let him come but yeah so there's tons of favorite moments the one that always comes to mind is one i'd done my club night and it'd been a late one and i went in fact the club night is on on may 27th at the book club we are lizards um i'm not about for this one because i'm filming in leeds as i mentioned earlier um but i've got dan lasak to come and take the reins for me so dan lasak is 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 going to be a running shit and djing um mark moore from s express is going to be djing um it's going to be great but anyway so i'd done my club night and then I'd, i was looking i was like oh i was a bit hung over i was like well progress is on am i going to drive into london chris wasn't about to come with me none of my mates were about essentially i was like am i going to go on my own to progress and i decided yes i am and i went and it was amazing and mark haskins beat johnny gargano to win the smash uh, wrestling belt at the end of the first half and the reaction was insane and then at the end of the second half um pastor william eva cashed his essentially money in the bank um title shot and won the progress championship and it was one of the most amazing things i've ever seen he was carried like the electric ballroom was rammed he was carried out of the electric ballroom on top of the crowd um it was just amazing it's yeah it's cool, man. You might not be into wrestling, but I still recommend if you can get a ticket because they they sell out quick. But I recommend going and checking out Progress and seeing what it's about. Um, a, a Russell from Block Party went to the last one. Actually, Russell was on um, on Hardcore Listing with Chris and Stu, and Stu was mentioning it. And Russell's a wrestling fan. He went along, and yeah, he loved it as well. Brendan. Thoughts on the current state of the UFC middleweight division. Do you think Bisping is within his right to hold up the division until GSP fight or should Yoel Romero get his shot? He's within his right because it's happening. But yeah, I think it's some is is some bullshit. Is some bullshit. Um the middleweight division is stacked. It's gutting that I I loved uh, watching a Whitaker look amazing the other week against Jackeray, but it killed me a bit because Jacare has been storming everyone and deserving a title shot. And uh, uh, the nature of odds is at some point you're going to lose, which is fair enough. But it was just a shame because I feel he's someone that deserved a title shot. Yoel is number one contender. He should be getting that title shot. Gergard Musasi is smashing fools. He deserves a title shot. It's a shame. I'm excited to see GSP back. JSP is probably in my top five all-time fighters. I've loved watching him since since before he won the belt. Since he got that title shot and lost, and then had to work his way back up and then smashed it. Um, I love George, but it's a shame he's come back at this point in the middleweight division. Because yeah, there's a lot. It's it's the most stacked division at the moment of beasts and people who deserve title shots. So, yeah, that kind of sucks. And 
it, 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 in my opinion, it's making Bisping look bad because his last, his first title defense was against Dan Henderson, which is a fight everyone, everyone wanted to see. Everyone wanted to see that. That's cool. But Dan wasn't number one contender. And Dan was, he'd already said it was, I think he'd already said it was his, his retirement fight. So it's not, it's not how the, how the, how the rankings should be done. But I get it. You know, it's a cool fight. I'll watch it. David. You spoke in the past of having done MMA refereeing course um, to better understand the sport, but but would you ever actually get in the cage and go as far as refing an MMA event? The reason I did the course was I was looking into the the possibilities of that of of becoming a, an MMA referee. Um, it's not happened because I haven't had the time to de- dedicate to it. In all honesty, um, but yeah, I think. Doing the course is one of my favourite things. I'm, I'm, I want to talk to Mark Goddard of if he's doing any new ones soon because they've recently changed the unified MMA rules. And yeah, I think it's, I think the the greater understanding you have of any sport, the more enjoyment you're going to get from it. So I really enjoyed doing that course and nerding out and learning the 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 actual rules and regulations rather than what people will ramble on about on Twitter or online where they misunderstood it what sometimes the commentary teams will get wrong uh, because of the intricacies of it. So, yeah, I enjoyed that. That was cool. Ben, after Taboo, where do you see your acting career going? Any particular roles or people to work with you would kill for? Metaphorically speaking, I wouldn't want you to head out on a rampage. I might head out on a rampage. Man, there's loads. I'm loving this acting business and I'm enjoying the opportunities I'm getting. So, as, as, as since taboo i've been in for at least 30 auditions and i've loved every one of them um for someone at my st- stage i you can't do too many auditions man it's all great experience i'm getting to jump into these all these these different characters and get my interpretations of them and learn and then drop them you know and move on if, if the role comes in that's dope but if not just drop them and move on and it's all it's all experience so there's loads of stuff I talk all the time. I'd love to do anything Marvel actors. I'd like to work with. It's not necessarily the people you'd you'd assume. Obviously, there's big people like um, I love Ryan Gosling, <laughs> and there's there's tons of big people. I mean, Tom Hardy was on that list. Tom Hardy was right at the top of that list. Um, Paddy Considine's on that list. Stephen Graham was right at the top of that list. Paddy's on that list. Kurt Sutter was on that list. Already achieved that one. Um, a Walton Goggins is on that list. I love Walton Goggins. I think he's amazing. Um, similarly to Timothy Oliphant, uh, Fassbender's a G. And again, on on the superhero front, anyone in any of them, you've got from your Ryan Reynolds end to your James Gunn with all the Guardians lot, Chris Pratt, all of these. I'd love to work with my boy Riz because I've known Riz years and I've been so proud and impressed with everything he's doing. So I'd love for something to come in at some point with, with Riz and get to be around that and experience that and have that comfort of, of a mate, but a mate who happens to be one of the best in the world at the moment. So that'd be cool. There's a lot of, I mean, in general, an exciting and cool project is, is what is what's going to drive you. And that's the unknown. That's the thing. The most exciting thing for me would be something I don't know I'm looking for. 
you know, and that doesn't mean all send me your shitty scripts, go fuck yourselves. Um, No, but um, an exciting project that I don't know about, and Taboo was exactly that. I didn't know about Taboo. Um, In fact, when they, the casting director, um, I had a meeting, I'd got a general meeting with this particular casting director, and we got on well, and she was like, I can see you being good for for Game of Thrones, which they cast. And she was like, and maybe Taboo and a few other things. And I was like, I don't know what Taboo is, all right. And then I got the email saying, we want you to audition for this thing, Taboo. And I was like, all right. So, And it had some, some details in it. It's like, yeah, it's Ridley Scott, it's Stephen Knight, it's Tom Hardy. And it was like, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, this, this sounds good. So that's what's kind of cool about this industry is the most exciting project might be a project you don't know you're looking for. Obviously, I'd love to be involved in... Star Wars, that new Han Solo one has got Donald Glover and he's right at the top of the list of people I want to work with. I want to be in that. That'd be amazing. Peaky Blinders, adore it. It's one of my favourite shows. I'd love to be in that. Um, Anything Marvel, any of the Jurassic Park things. I love Jurassic Park and I love Jurassic World and they've just announced that um, Jeff Goldblum is in the new Jurassic World. I'd be right up for that. Um, any of these huge things, but equally, it's the ones you don't know about yet. They're exciting. Joey, hi Pip, love the podcast. Gets me through eight-hour shifts, processing deliveries at work. My question is: in the episode with Thomas Coles, you mentioned the docu film you guys made. Has that seen the light of day yet? And I've missed it. And if not, will it? And when? That's a kind of awkward one because. <laughs> I hope it will, but it's not really up to me. If you don't know, Tom Coles is, is someone I've worked with on all my all my music videos, and we did part one of an episode with him going over all the music videos, and we were going to do part two when the documentary is, is ready, because basically, when I started out my career, I toured the country living in a van um, and did a thing called the Relying on the Kindness of Strangers tours, tour, and I just turned up in towns and tried to play on street corners outside other people's gigs, tried to get in gigs, tried to get bookings, and rely on the kindness of strangers. And I realised, I remembered that we took, and Chris Glasson came on a chunk of that, and we took a camcorder, and we documented a load of it. So we've got, and they're, they're honestly my first ever performances, we've got my first ever performances on the street, the first time I've spoken into a mic, the first gigs I've done on camera. And they're not great quality, but it was was something with last year being the 10-year anniversary of No Commercial Breaks, my first album. We thought we could do a a little documentary that's using some of that, that, uh, that footage, talking to the people who either came along with me on that tour, my mates, talking to the people who who recorded a no commercial breaks again it was all people i worked with at hmv and document that but we decided upon that and i decided instantly it's something that i can't be overly involved in on the production side of it because i can't make a documentary about me that's some weird ego inception shit so i handed it over to tom and to chris now tom has got two kids and has just opened a photography studio in Basildon and and stuff like that um so it's not something that he can you know unnecessarily give 100% of his time to and Chris obviously has got the podcast and runs Redshift and does a million other things so if they get it done then we'll we'll see what we can do I'd, I'd love to do a screening if we did it and invite 
uh, you guys along. I'd love to do... My thought was to make it available on one of them pay-what-you-want type things because the tour was called the Relying on the Kindness of Strangers tour. So it would make some sense that we would rely on the Kindness of Strangers on if we get paid for the work that's been put into this. Um, but yeah, as said, it's one that it's not entirely in my control. It's down to those guys. Um, but watch this space. If it happens, I'll be sh- shouting about it, obviously. Andrew, after your crime-fighting antics a few years ago, uh, when you helped some kid who got jumped, uh, uh, what's it like having your buddy Tom stealing the limelight for chasing bike thieves around London? Two stories to explain here if you don't know them. Tom Hardy was was recently in the paper because he chased down a bike thief. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Apparently, he, ran, he, he climbed over f- fences and went through back areas and caught this this bike thief and held him there until the police came and, ch- and checked him f- for weapons and all that. And what people don't realise about Hardy is, ye- yeah, he's an actor, but he's a very dedicated actor. And, s- and some of the roles he's played has been action-y type stuff or police-type stuff or army-type stuff. So he's done tons of training. And that's not to say he's under n- no illusion that he's a soldier or anything l- like that. He's got the most respect. M- me and Tom have gone along to a few things with that are events for soldiers and kind of and, and hung out with some amazing dudes um yeah so he's under no illusion he is a soldier or any of these things he's got mad respect for that and and yeah the dude can look after himself and knows kind of some some techniques as that was called and the other story that he's talking about there is i'd forgotten about this i read that question i was like what and then it made sense um yeah it was about a year ago i was um I'd gone to see Paul Heyman do a, a live Q&A thing at York Hall. And on the way out, there was a road rage incident kind of thing. And this guy got out of his car to argue. It's basically these kids had slightly clipped another car. And they were arguing a little bit with the car behind, but they were fine. And then this other guy was kind of pulling past them. And they pulled out and blocked him because I didn't want him jumping the queue. He started shouting... And they got pissed off with him, but it was weird because it wasn't really his fault that they were pissed off at the other person, but they transferred it onto him. This guy got out of his car and these two kids just started beating on him. And one kind of, one punched him and one had got him in a choke. And I kind of, I, I went over and got involved and the guy had got got choked unconscious and I kind of got the kids off him um, and was like, what the, f- the fuck you, you you doing? I'm, I'm kind of i made sure the guy was okay and brought him around the kids i ran off at that point and yeah i kind of looked after the guy until the police came and and yeah that was that was kind of that so it wasn't really i didn't do much i just kind of stopped them killing a dude because it all got crazy out of hand um yeah so that was cool but um i didn't get the the fucking press coverage hardy got the prick um but i did message tom about that as soon as i read i read it and was like don't fucking get yourself killed i want to be in series two of taboo (laughs) i'm looking forward to that happening so stay alive at least until then cordain that's a cool name not sure if you've already answered something like this before but what track of yours are you most proud of and what track do you look back at now and go i think i can improve on this 
I'm most proud of, I don't know. And I'm genuinely proud of a lot of my records. I know that comes across as arrogant, but it's, I don't think it is. The only reason I really, I wouldn't, I wouldn't release stuff if at the time I wasn't really pleased with it and proud of it. Now on the ones I don't like, I think back from hell has some of the worst lyrics ever written in it. (laughs) Um, and there was a track of my solo record called dreaming. I think that's got some shockingly poor lyrics in, um, but, but, but most proud, I guess, a letter from God to man. I'm still really proud of, um, things like magician's assistant and five minutes. Um, a you will see me and stunner are two that I'm really proud of terminal broken promise, intradiction, uh, the struggle, let them come. That's basically a greatest hit. Some list in there. Yeah, I'm proud of a lot of my stuff, man. It's cool to get to have done that and to get to do that. Um, Scott, in it's a bit of a cliche question, but what's the weirdest false bit of trivia that has been attributed to you? The weirdest false bit of trivia that's that's been attributed. I had a few bits where people early on, and I, I meant to bring this up with I had Gemma Kearney on the other week, and I meant to bring it up because it was around the time that we were hanging out a lot. But I started getting these a load of celebrity relationship rumours. So I had one that was claiming that I was with Christina Ritchie, who I've never even met, but she's cool. Um, And I had one that said I was in a relationship with um, Ashleen. Is her name Ashleen? I think it's Ashleen from Big Brother. Um, and that was was funny because I had met her at Glastonbury, but we weren't in a relationship. And I've not; she wouldn't remember that we've ever met. So yeah, that was cool, and I was enjoying the, that at the time. If anyone asked me, I'd be like, "No, it's not true." But it's like this is cool to be associated with beautiful young ladies. You go ahead with your rumours. <laughs> I'm not going to fight you on it. Um, but the best one is is one that I started myself. Um, I tweeted um, a little-known fact that I played guitar on Torn by Natalie and Brulier, um, and it made its way onto the Wikipedia page. I'm not sure if it's there anymore, but for a long while it was on Wikipedia that had me listed as guitarist. Um, And I just made that up as a joke tweet because I was bored, and tons of people to this day believe it. Oh, another one, actually. Uh, With the recent 10-year anniversary of Thou Shout... When me and Dan were starting off, we did Thou Shout and that went down well. The thing we did after the Thou Shout was a fake X Factor audition. And it's fake. If you watch it, it's amazingly put together by a guy called Nick Frew. And it was as a promo. It was a, 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 pro, a promo of a single we had coming out at Christmas. Um, and we did this fake audition. And if, again, if you watch it, you, you'll see that's, that's, that's Simon Cowell and whoever else is their clothes change a few times because it's stuck together from different things. Um, but there's tons of people who do think that we were on X Factor. And I have people say, I remember when I first saw you on X Factor um, and this and that. It's like, no, you don't. That that, that never happened. That's a fiction. Um, yeah. So that's cool. Joe Tucker. Hey, Pip. I'm a fellow Stanford boy and I'm emigrating to Australia in August. Scary shit. What countries have you been to where you thought you could live there and why? Word to your mother. Do you know my mother? Because she's from Stanford as well. Don't speak out against my mother. Um, 
countries I'd, 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 I'd moved to. I've lived in Stanfordly Hope my whole life. Oh, having a bit of a stretch now. We're an hour in. I'm getting a bit. I'll start to wrap things up. That's my catchphrase. We're at the hour mark. Um, I've lived in Stanford my whole life. That's for 35 years. I had a brief period of living in Wolverhampton. Um, again, because of, I think I touched upon, because of the way I work is quite isolated. I don't think it's overly important where I live. I think I could get on in a lot of places. Um, I choose Stanford because I like it and it's got a familiarity. Now, when I do choose to break my solitude it's easy to i know where everything is i know where people are um i came close to moving to to, to la once um i was seeing a young lady from la and uh i was close to heading out that way um but 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 la is a hundred percent a kind of a home away from home um it's one of the few places i get to and i just feel as soon as i get i land at the airport as, as soon as i get in a rental car and start driving i feel i feel at home so I could could see myself going there at some point. I dig I dig New York. Um, I tried to live in Amsterdam when I was younger, at, um, about probably the age of nineteen or twenty. I moved out there, and it was at the time you, you had to get a work permit and stuff like that. that that's all going to be coming back with Brexit. Believe me, that is a ball ache. Um, and yeah, I tried to live out there, and it didn't work out. I kind of I I, I sorted out a work permit. I found a job and then just before I started the job I went to my bank account and it was empty because a, a a landlord from, from from Wolverhampton in fact had cashed a check I'd put down as a deposit or no, no as a security um but I didn't end up moving in there someone else had moved in but the person who moved in was an ex of mine and she'd missed a month's rent or something so he pa- he cashed my deposit check and i didn't have any other money so him cashing that check emptied my account out which meant i had to come home i didn't get to live in amsterdam um so yeah they're the two places i've looked at living i've failed miserably um on both counts so i can't help you there but australia sounds lovely um sounds lovely i went australian at the end there australia sounds lovely i'm sure you're gonna have a great time enjoy yourself joe tucker Tucker, that's a that's a good Australian name, Joe Tucker. You're fitting great. You don't sound like you're from Stanford, Joe Tucker. Lovely. Anyway, um, Steve Potter, how different is your life now since Taboo blew up? Are more people stopping you when you are out and have out and about, or have you developed a wicked disguise? It's not really changed that much, really. I've got a distinctive look anyway. And again, taboo's a weird one because again, I, I I was in it, and my and my my role grew, 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 grew and grew and grew, and I'm looking forward to series two. But I mean, a gauge it's it's hard to gauge any of these things because the fact is, as well as I keep touching upon, I don't go out that much, so I don't really notice. I'm not exposed to a change in level of fame, if you want to call it that, or recognizability the easiest thing to gauge it on because of that is, is social media and there was a there has been growth in social media f- following but it wasn't huge it was like maybe a few thousand um extra so on 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 twitter f- for example i already had about uh, i think 118 a thousand 
our followers or 116 or something and that's that's gone up to like 122 or something like that but that's kind of that could have been a natural progression anyway but yeah I, I i've not seen any big difference it's cool i love it when people are into taboo um at the podcast awards i, I last night i was talking to nick um pete um pete is it nick pete i know it's pt editor it was always the thing on his so it's, it's social media um who i'd done some stuff with with dan hardy on on bt sports um a while back about ufc and we chatted and we got on really well because he's he 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 used to be uh one of the guys at, at fighters only um and yeah he knows his mma obviously um and it was cool to have him be like oh I love taboo, man. It was great, and all this, and I've, I've, I've had a lot of that. So I guess that's more from people I already know, and that's 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 been lovely. When people I know or that know me for something else are like, "Man, that was a great sh- sh- show. I really enjoyed this." So yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely. Ross, what did you think of Rogue One, a Star Wars story? We didn't hear what you thought of it. Is there a We Are Lizards return to Milton Keynes plan? There's no plan for a return to Milton Keynes. Uh, 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 Lizards, we try and take it out of London when we can. Its home is London. That's the one place you're, you're guaranteed to get it. We get asked to take it out of London all the time, but it's all down to schedule and the right place and things like that. Um, but yeah, there's no plans at the moment to take it anywhere. I think we're taking it... To, we might be taking it to Northampton. We're trying to line up a trip to Northampton because... I like Northampton and my old tour manager Chris Jones is from Northampton and I love that boy um and he's he, he doesn't I, I live there anymore so there's no real reason to go there but because of that there's a, there's that association it appealed so we're looking into that um Rogue One I'm sure we did talk about it on um I would have thought we talked about it on one of the a drunk cast I could be wrong though I loved it I thought it was amazing yeah it's it's one of my favorite Star Wars films of all time easily and it's not swayed by the fact a mate of mine's in it um that's often you know it's a risky thing when someone you you know is in a film because you also know I think you're more aware of a film being shit if someone you know's in it than if they're not because you get a bit of a feeling of oh fuck this isn't I'm not enjoying this that much this is going to be awkward do you know what I mean? You get a weirdness. So I think it makes you hyper aware of it. Whereas if you didn't have that, you might just be watching again. This is all right. I don't know. Let's keep watching. Whereas you're, because you're going in there like, I need to enjoy this or it's going to be awkward next time I see my mate. So, so, so yeah, I was ready for it to be all right, for it to be decent. And I thought it was cracking. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. So yeah, that's that. Really enjoyed it. Go and see it. Thanks. Um, let's do one more now and then part two might be short I don't know how many I've got left but um, yeah Reza if I may ask two okay I'll do two more now Um, firstly are you or have you ever trained any mixed martial arts right I have but I should say no because I never got to any high level um, it's it, it feels like a fraud to claim it. Um, I've done a bit of BJJ. I loved it. Um, I rolled 
in my garage with my brother. <laughs> it sounds sounds ridiculous at first, and we trained a bit, and then I started to roll um, a Gracie Baja in Rayleigh, which was fantastic. I'd have privates and then join the class. Um, so I'd always double up because um, I felt I wanted to get to a good level on my own. I didn't want to be slowing anyone down in the class, but equally I think it's hugely important to roll with others and to have that mixture of experiences. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, I did that for a bit. I also rolled, I went to one class at 10th Planet with my boy Eddie Bravo because he's a homie and I was hitting him up saying, look, I'm in LA. Is there like an amateur class? He's like, just come to class. I was like, is it an amateur class? He's like, come to class. And I went and man, I I was so shit and they were all so amazing. (laughs) But it's cool. I think BJJ is hugely important. If I had kids, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is something I'd, I'd get them learning from an early age because it's a great, <coughs> it's a great martial art defense. I'm choking. Um, I used to do. As I said I, I when I was trading in my garage with my brother. He used to do Krav Maga, so we'd do a level of that of that as well. So there was a level of stand up and a level of ground. The ground is the only one I went to other classes with um, and got more practicing. But yeah, I'm got no level of i've not even got a, i wouldn't even say i'm a white belt so yeah let's not let's not overhype this secondly w- when was the last time you were clean shaven um i'm talking about the beard hmm. uh oh, two, probably 2004 2005 maybe i guess 2005 I, I, I was never a fan of clean clean shaven anyway i'd always kind of trim back a bit but um yeah, probably t- t- 2005. I've got a beard. I've had a beard for ages. Um, yeah, I'm going to wrap it up there. That was an underwhelming end. 2005. Um, I'm, there's going to be a part two. I'm going to have a quick tr- drink of water as I'm choking. And then we will continue into part two. I'm going to put part one is... I mean, you're listening to part one now. You don't need to know when it is. Part two will be out at midday. So this was out at midnight. A, a, a Wednesday at midnight. If you're listening to this, if you're listening to this and there's been a midday since a midnight, oh man, I've lost myself. This isn't making any sense. Just see you in a bit. Bye. Scrubbish Pits, the Scratch Jumpies.